block sports, big 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 block sports. Big block sports. We are live. We are in week six of the NFL coming up here. Um, again, this season, uh, I, I, it sounds like a broken record every week. Um, I'm finding myself at the end of every game coming down to a field goal. And I'm not quite sure. Is it because we missed, you know, like the fans and football and maybe the players did too um, last season when it came to that COVID year. Um, but this season, by far, more last second games, more comebacks than I remember, more kicks at the end of games, more missed kicks, which we'll get into a little bit later in this episode. Um, but let's get into a quick recap of week five before we get started with the show here. Again, see I'm representing the squad. We lost, um, but I kind of feel like we won. Um, you know, then again, we lost again because Trey Lance hurt his knee. Um, at least both of us, myself and the team included, have a week uh, to recover because I feel like this season uh, has been a little more stressful. I think in some of the earlier seasons, like Harbaugh's uh, last season, like Chip Kelly's only season, um, some of those years with Tom Sula, um, those those seasons were, I don't want to say they were easy, but, you know, you know, we had like Blaine Gabbert starting. I think our leading receiver at one year was like Jeremy Curley. Um, so I didn't expect much of those teams. So when, you know, we had bad plays or when we lost by a bunch of, I remember Ray Ray Armstrong, he was a terrible linebacker. But this season, you know, again, with all the hype, all the offseason chatter, there were a level of expectations that I was looking forward to. And so far this season, we haven't really reached that pinnacle yet. But I think, like I said, reinforcements are on the way. We will be healthy when the time uh, is needed to be healthy. Obviously, these, lose, these losses do not help this early in the season. But again, they are early in the season. We have so much room to grow, so much room to learn. Whoever the quarterback, quarterback, quarterback might be next week. So quick little 49er note there. Lions, Detroit Lions. Look at me, Detroit Lions. You have my utmost sympathy. Uh, you have my utmost empathy or whatever other word are synonymous with those two. You have it from me. I see this team play hard every week. Regardless of who the opponent is, no matter how many Super Bowl rings the other opponent might have, they come into the game ready to fight. And again, like I mentioned uh, a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about teams like the Lions, the Jets, they just have this incredible ability to snatch defeat out of the jaws of victory. If 4th and 19 and a 66-yard record field goal wasn't enough, the Vikings turn around and almost... In the same fashion, uh, again, big play at the end of the game to get into field goal range, and then the kicker nails the kick to send Detroit home with the loss. So Detroit Lions, man, it's got to hurt. Colts, Monday Night Football, 
I will be totally honest. I had a, a long weekend. So Monday night at about, well, right when the fourth quarter started, I want to say the game was maybe 22 to nine or 22 to three. Whatever the case was, it was it was in the middle of the fourth quarter. I called it a night. I was like, well, looks like the Colts have got this one in the bag. And then, you know, subconsciously in my head, I was like, man, you know, they they the Colts bet not blow this. You know, I bet not miss one of the greatest comebacks um, of this season. And lo and behold, I um I wake up in the morning. And in my Google feed, there it is. Lamar Jackson leads the Ravens uh, into a fourth quarter comeback to win the game in overtime. And Colts, again, Colts, look at me. I'm talking to you. Listen up. Get close to the speaker if you're listening, Colts. You can't be the most dangerous team and give it up in the fourth like that. You got me looking bad now. I'm not feeling that. I still think you guys, what I saw, what I did see from that team is an offense that can move the ball, uh, a running game. Uh, Jonathan Taylor looks very explosive. So I still believe in you guys, but come on. He can't be giving it up in the fourth like that. Saquon Barkley hurt again. I think there's a, a picture of his ankle. It's like the size of a turkey leg. It's like this big. Um, Daniel Jones is also hurt. I just recently saw before I just started this, this episode, I did, uh, see that Schefter posted that he is still on pace to play. So good news for Jones. Barkley, we're still not sure on Jeff, Joe, Jeff Burrow, Joe Burrow almost died again. Um, kid is crazy. Uh, he plays with reckless abandonment, and he had to go to the hospital because of a throat injury, a throat contusion of some sort. Um, but hopefully he he uh, dials it back some when it comes to the fear factor during the games. Uh, Herbert, Justin Herbert, and Baker Mayfield traded blows um, with Baker Mayfield playing the part of Deontay Wilder. Browns came out swinging hard. You know, from the start, but in the end, Browns just sort of ended up on the ground, breathing heavily, just like Wilder. Um, so that was a, a great game. I did not expect the Browns to be able to score as much as they did. I also think the Browns fell into the Chargers game, and you can't outcharger the Chargers. They're a high-flying offense. They have weapons all over the field, and Cleveland showed they can score um but cleveland again with the l really got out of their element and baker really got out of his element when it comes to um, playing the quarterback position again all the one o'clock games came down to a field goal at the end and speaking of field goals at the end what's up with kickers and here's a question i want you all to answer uh, this is the interactive part of the show. You can either leave it in the comments after you like and subscribe here on YouTube, or you can at me on Twitter at Big Block Sports. You can at me on Instagram, Big Block Sports. But the question is, the question of the day, has kicking gotten harder? Like the actual physical mechanics of kicking, has that gotten harder? Or have NFL kickers gotten worse? I'm not sure which one it is just yet. 
I know initially when the rule change came out for them moving the extra point back uh, to the 25-yard line, I thought it was ho-hum. You know, not much going on there. Uh, for the most part, though, I think between... And, and they didn't change anything else related to field goals. Um, the only thing they changed was the extra point. But for whatever reason, man, like, again, the question I have is, has kicking gotten harder or have NFL kickers just gotten worse, you know, like trending wise? Is, are, are all the kickers trending downward or is there something going on in the league, maybe even something going on in college football that's leading more and more kickers to come into the league and just be inconsistent? Even I'm talking, we're talking about kickers like Mason Crosby, who's normally automatic missing several kicks and again he won at the end great job but that is the question i'd like you guys to answer has kicking 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 kickling <laughs> has kicking kicking gotten harder or have nfl kickers gotten worse that's a tongue twister there has kicking gotten harder in the nfl or have nfl kickers gotten worse i need the answer let me know Thank you guys again for joining me this week and every week, just like we do right around this time in the episode, the music starts playing and I feel like, I feel like, I, I just feel like I got to set it off. So how am I going to set it off this week? How am I going to set it off this week? And I'm just pausing for dramatic effect, but how am I going to set it off this week? I'll set it off with one sentence. Lamar Jackson is the MVP of the league, and it's not even close. I'll say it again. Lamar Jackson is the MVP of the league thus far, and it's not even close. We'll talk about some of the favorites. We'll talk about some of the reasons why he is the unanimous MVP in my eyes. But let's start by doing a little, you know, I love the numbers. I love the stats. I love the, the information. So let's talk about Lamar Jackson, the player, came in, right, drafted 31 by the Ravens. Uh, he came in, fired up. You know, they're going to get a Super Bowl out of me. You remember the draft. I'm a Raven. I'm a Raven. <laughs> I love Lamar Jackson, man. He's like Florida to the core, right? Like, if you ever wanted to know what a young, upcoming African-American brother from Florida uh, should be like, Lamar Jackson is that dude. Stays out of trouble. Um, does his thing, represents the state well. Shout out to Lamar Jackson from one Floridian to another. But let's look at his rookie year. These are his uh, rookie year numbers. So at the end of the season, he completed 58% of his passes. That was 7.1 yards per attempt. He had 13 plays of 20 plus yards. He had a touchdown to interception ratio. Uh, he had six touchdowns to three interceptions. And he had a passer rating of 84.5. So that was his rookie season, right? 58% completions, 84 passer rating. Ho-hum, rookie quarterback numbers. Obviously, we saw a lot from him in the run game, and I'll get to that a little bit later. But I want people to start respecting Lamar Jackson for the passer that he is. Now, let's look at this season. I know we're only five games in, and you can question whatever 
teams he's played or, you know, whatever you can question it. But these are the facts right now. He's completing 67% of his passes. So that's a jump from 58 as a rookie to 67% this season. He's up to 9.1 yards per attempt. So almost 10 yards per completion. And now he has, and that's, and then this season, right? Again, rookie, full rookie season, he only had 13 plays of 20 plus yards. Here we are five weeks in, he has 24 plays. So basically almost doubled his amount of plays of 20 plus yards. And these are passing plays. I'm not talking about him scrambling. I'm talking passing plays. He has 24 plays of 20 or more yards compared to 13 during his rookie season. And his passer rating so far this season is 104.4. Now this shouldn't be new to you guys, right? He's not a, he's not, he's, he's won an MVP before. Let's look at his MVP season. He was completing 66% of his passes compared to 67 this season. He was only averaging 7.8 yards per attempt compared to um, 9.1 that he's averaging this season. So he's actually... He actually has more yards per attempt this season than he had during his MVP season in which he was a unanimous MVP. Now, that season, he had 42 plays of 20 yards or more. Again, that was a full M MVP season. Here we are, not halfway through the season. The season is 17 games, so we can't really do halfway. But at five games, which you could say a quarter of the season, he already has 24 plays so if we if we do some rough math right let's say let's just do 20 plays every quarter of the season right so every quarter four games we could say because nor i mean it was 16 so it was way easier to do the math but 20 20 plays every four games of 20 plus yards we do that times four that's 80 plays he's on pace to have of 20 yards or more this season. And we're talking about he had 42 when he was a unanimous MVP. So I'm not sure why when we'll get we'll get into the, the odds a little bit later about who the MVP is. I'm not sure why he's so low. His passer rating was higher during his MVP season. His passer rating was 113.3 during that MVP season. He's at 104.4. This year, definitely he's had some Fumbles, he's had some interceptions which can affect his passer rating. But again, overall, pretty damn close to that MVP season. Again, I want people to respect Lamar Jackson for the passer that he is. He's on pace this year. So what I did is I took his total yards, divided it by five games. That gives me an average of what he's, he's getting at passing-wise per year, per game, excuse me. It, I want to say it was around 300 yards, three 300-ish yards per game based on his total yards right now, dividing it by five games. If I take that out and, again, project it over a full 17-game season, he's on pace to, to throw for 5,164 yards. And, and So that's the 5,000-yard club. This season, Lamar Jackson is on pace to join the 5,000-yard club as a passer. Let's look. Let's take a walk. Come on. Get in the car. 
on the bike, whatever it is we're riding on right now. Let's let's take a walk at the five. Let's take a walk and look at the five thousand yard club. Now in 2019, we're gonna ignore my boy Jameis because I'm not really sure if that helps my argument. But Jameis threw for 5,000 yards that season, the same season he threw for uh, 30 for 30. He went 30 for 30 like ESPN when it came to touchdowns and interceptions. Um, but he threw for 5,000 yards that season. Now, after Jameis, though, we get into a bunch of quarterbacks who we know solely by their last name. You know, when you hear certain last names as far as NFL quarterbacks, you already know what time it is. And Lamar Jackson is slowly bringing himself into that category. So here are our last few seasons of 5,000 yards passers. And again, I'm just going to call out their last names because you already know what time it is. Mahomes, Roethlisberger, Breeze, Manning. I'll have to say Peyton Manning because there's two Mannings and both of them are dope. But I'm talking about Peyton Manning when I say Manning. Breeze again, Stafford, Brady, Breeze, Breeze, and the first to ever throw for 5,000 yards in an NFL season, Marino. And now Lamar Jackson is on pace to join that group of NFL quarterbacks. Mahomes maybe can be considered a mobile quarterback. We're talking about Lamar Jackson who evolved from Bill P <laughs> And I know Lamar really wanted to win that game because it, it, Bill Poley is not involved with the Colts anymore. But I know, I know for a fact, Lamar remembers Bill Poley and saying he should run routes. He should be a wide receiver. So I know for a fact that he wanted to, to, to stick it to the Colts that game. And he did just that. And again, not by rushing. Uh, they, they ended their streak of 100 rushing yards uh, in consecutive games. He beat them by passing, and I'll get into his game stats a little bit later um, because they were incredible. But again, Lamar Jackson is on pace to join Mahomes, Roethlisberger, Breeze, Manning, Brady, Breeze, 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 and Marino this season based on the numbers he's putting up so far. Now, let's get into what really makes Lamar Jackson unique. And it's obviously his rushing ability. He's on pace this season. And again, same math, right? Take his total rushing yards divided by the number of games. You get an average of his rushing yards per game. You multiply that by a 17-game season. He's on pace to rush for 1,159 yards this year. How does that compare? Not to other NFL quarters, because we know unless Colin Kaepernick comes back in the league. Uh, I mean, maybe Kyler Murray has the ability, but again, they don't really use him in um, in a running back sort of way. Like they don't run QB power in Arizona. Um, I think Trey Lance may have the opportunity to run more K, um, quarterback power, but he's not, he's nowhere near as fast and as elusive as Lamar Jackson in the open field. So like I said, he's on pace to rush for 1,159 yards this season. And let's just compare that to last season's NFL running backs, right? So we know Derrick Henry Henry won the rushing title last season with 2,027 yards. But let me tell you some NFL running backs that if Lamar Jackson keeps up this pace, 
he will surpass their 2020 totals this season. Aaron Jones, starting running back for the Green Bay Packers, rushed for 1,104 yards last year. Lamar Jackson is on pace to beat that total by about 60 yards. David Montgomery, starting running back for the Chicago Boys, hurt now, but starting running back for the Chicago Bears. He rushed for 1,070 yards in 2020. Lamar Jackson is on pace to surpass that by almost 200 yards. Nick Chubb, 1,067 yards. Lamar Jackson is on pace to, to, to surpass those NFL running back totals uh, this season. Three big-time starting NFL caliber backs that are not gimmicky. They get the ball. They run it hard. They run between the tackles. They run outside the tackles. Lamar Jackson is on pace to surpass them. On top of the 5,000 yards I talked about just no less than five or 10 minutes ago, he's also on pace to outrush several NFL running backs from last season. Let's keep talking about last season. Last season, he actually outrushed both of the running backs he had on his team. He outrushed J.K. Dobbins, who only finished the year with 805 yards. He also outrushed Gus Edwards, who ended the year with 723 yards. So Lamar Jackson topped both of them last year. Last year, he rushed for 1,000 yards too, 1,005 to be exact. And he's on pace to do about 159 more yards this year. So that's a whole nother 100-yard game. He's on pace to surpass. Um, so Lamar Jackson is the MVP of the league. And, you know, the MVP is usually tied to how well the team is doing, right? Um, obviously, I feel like Trevor Lawrence is the MVP of the Jaguars. He's very important to the Jags, um, but he's not going to win MVP. The team's performance also is important to who wins the MVP. The Ravens are currently 4-1, and one, and they're second in the conference. Not in the division, because they're first in their division. They are second in the entire AFC behind only the Chargers, who are also 4-1. and one. Um, But let's examine the teams, right? Because it's always about the team, the team, the team does well. The MVP has an inside track uh, to win that award. And this isn't the same 2019 Ravens offense that he rolled out, you know, when he won the MVP. We're talking about that year he had a Heisman winning uh, running back in Mark Ingram, who won the Heisman as an NFL, uh, sorry, as a college running back. Um, he didn't have, he does not have that stout O-line this season, right? That, that season he had Marshall Yonda, who retired. Matt Skura, Ronnie Stanley, and Orlando Brown. Uh, well, Ronnie Stanley is still on the team. He just hasn't played. He's hurt. He's been hurt all year so far. Um, Orlando Brown was traded to Kansas City. Skura ended up in Miami. He didn't even make the final 53. And Yanda, like I said, Marshall Yonda. Yonda? Yanda? Yonda? He retired. Um, so... As of yesterday's game, I was able to pull up his starting lineup. So we have Villanueva, who originally was a left tackle. Then they moved him to right tackle because they had injuries. Now they moved him back 
to left tackle again. Uh, but he played poorly. Even in that Raiders game, you can see he was getting worked all game. Ben Powers, some dude. Bozeman, Bradley Bozeman, I've heard the name at center. Uh, Kevin Zeitler, I know him. He's 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 good. He's a guard. Um, and the right tackle, Makari. I've heard of Makari before. There is an online app down here. I don't know if it's where you're at, wherever you might be listening. Down here in South Florida, there's a marketplace app called Makari where you can post things just like Facebook Marketplace and sell them. That is the name of their right tackle. And, you know, I know it seems like, obviously because I bring it up a lot, right? The 49ers appear to be like IR central. But there are two teams tied right now um, for the league lead of players on injured reserve right now. And those two teams are the Tennessee Titans and the Baltimore Ravens, both with 16 players right now on IR. More than the 49ers, more than any other team. I'm trying to think what team you might think is the most banged up injured team. It's usually always us. Uh, the Seahawks are pretty banged up. Um, the Dolphins have some injuries, but more than any of those teams, Titans and the Ravens are tied right now for the most injured players. And I, I have to check if this is updated because during Monday night's game, the Ravens lost uh, one of their linemen. He's not listed in that in that um, starting five I just pulled up. This is actually his replacement. Um, but they lost another lineman yesterday, so they might be up to 17 and now be in the league. But they are they have the most players on injured reserve. And obviously, the Tennessee Titans have been struggling. Uh, they're 3-2, and two, which isn't a bad record. But they did lose to the Jets. The New York football Jets. They lost to them. The Titans did. Um, and to be honest, the Titans sit in a division with two one-win teams. So the Jags, uh, so they have the Colts, and they have the Texans in their division. It's the AFC South, right? Yeah. Both with one win, and then the Jaguars have zero wins. So even at three and two, they're in an excellent position. But overall, when you look at the Titans and when you look at how, even with the three victories that they have, you can see that um, they're struggling. The Titans are also, when we talk about points for versus points against, right? So how many points is their offense putting up compared to how many points their defense is giving up? The Titans are only at a plus two. So just to make it easy, the Titans offense is putting up 10 points. Their defense is giving up eight. So there's a very small room for error there. There are some teams atop the divisions that have a, a plus 16, a plus 20, you know, a team like Buffalo scoring way more po points than their opponents. The Ravens, on the other hand, again, same number of players on IR. And you you know the players that they, all their running backs, um, all, almost, almost all their DBs. Humphrey has been playing banged up all year. Basically, Chuck Clark is like the only DB that hasn't missed any games or hasn't been rotated in and out. And he's like a DB, a linebacker. Uh, I've seen him on the line. 
He probably can return punts. I don't, Chuck Clark does everything just like Marlon Humphrey does. Um, the Ravens on top of the division still at four and one. And this isn't a division with the Bengals, right? Which have shown that they can win games, even though they just lost to the to the Green Bay Packers. That was a really good game. And the Browns, which y'all love. Y'all love the Browns. Um, the Ravens are atop the division um, over both of those teams. And they're at 19 net points for, right? So again, their offense is putting up 136 points or they're scoring. It could have been like a pick six, whatever. But they're scoring 136 points while only giving up 117 points, which is a plus 19 same number of players on IR as the Titans, plus 19 net points. Now, here's the kicker. And further, I don't know, I don't even know why I have to give y'all all of this. Y'all, well, I do have to, but this, this point here, the Titans injured reserve only takes up about 6% of their cap. So of their 100% of NFL players, they are paying. 6% of them are on IR, either meaning there's not, obviously there's a lot of them because there's 16, but if it's only 6% of their cap, to me, that indicates that there are a lot of maybe role players, players who are on a veteran minimum, um, but they're not million dollar multi-year contracts if it's only 6% of their total cap. While the Ravens IR is actually 18% of their cap this season. So that means not only are there 16 players on injured reserve, it also means that those 16 players are taking up 18% of their cap and they're more likely to be big money, big market players. We can take 18 and round it up to 20%, basically. So if your team is on a pizza with five slices, right? So your team's salary cap is a pizza with five slices. We're taking one of those five slices and we're just throwing it in the trash. That's basically what happened to the Ravens this season. They got, they got a pizza of a team. Looks great. Five fat, juicy slices, right? Pepperoni, sausage, whatever it is you like on your pizza. Pineapple, if you're weird, sure. Hot pizza, five slices. Soon as it hits the table, Throwing a slice in the garbage. That's what happened to the Ravens this season. And how, how are the Ravens overcoming that slice of pizza in the garbage? Lamar Jackson. I talked earlier about the odds to win MVP this season. Let's look at the list and let's look at where every favorite stands, right? And let's also look at some of the weapons that they have in play right now. The number one favorite to win MVP this year, and I, I don't disagree with him being the favorite, Josh Allen. Can't, can't argue that. Josh Allen also has the benefit of throwing to Stephon Diggs. Emmanuel Sanders. Knox, Dawson Knox has come on strong. Cole Beasley in the slot. I can see why Josh Allen is an MVP favorite with the team that he has around him. Kyler Murray. Just played him last week. He eyed. Hopefully his arm is more injured than he let on. But <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want him to be injured. But 
Kyler Murray is second uh, on the list. And you know the offense he has, right? Hopkins, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, A.J. Green has shown that he's very capable. Christian Kirk, exceptional out of the slot. Rondell Moore, so much, so much speed on that team, right? That's Those are the weapons that he has. Justin Herbert, big favorite. You know, maybe more of a favorite than Josh Allen in some people's eyes. He has the benefit of throwing to Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, who has finally come on strong after overcoming some injuries as a young player. Austin Eckler, who's basically another wide receiver on the field and a running back. Not to mention the tight end they recently picked up. Uh, dang, and I can't think of his name right now. It's not Cole. Dang, he just played for the Saints last year, too. But that guy, whoever he is, he's really fast, and you know who I'm talking about. His name eludes me at this moment. Um, so that's the weapons that Herbert has available to him. Uh, let's look at Dak Prescott, who's next on the list. All for Dak coming back strong. Now he has the benefit of throwing to Amari Cooper, right? C.D. Lamb. Uh, they got a two-headed monster in the backfield between Zeke and Pollard. Those are the weapons that um, Dak Prescott has available. We have Matthew Stafford, who's now in L.A., next on the list. Throwing to Cooper Cup, who's always... Um, going he's on my fantasy team and i love it he's like the only player that i know for sure 20 at least 20 points every week no questions asked even on a bad week it's like 18 but he has cooper cup robert woods is always uh, up there when it comes to leading the league in nfl uh, receivers and then deshaun jackson i think i saw one game he had like three catches for 120 yards or something like some still averaging like 25 yards a catch or something stupid. Um, that's Matthew Stafford, who's next on the MVP list. Number six on the list is Aaron Rodgers. Good old Aaron won the MVP last season and has the benefit of one of the greatest. Uh, now, he will be one of the greatest wide receivers. He's definitely one of the top wide receivers in the game right now. If his career continues to go the way that it does, I think he has the opportunity to be one of the greatest wide receivers in the NFL. But Devontae Adams, his boy Randall Cobb is back in the fold. Aaron Jones is another elite pass catcher. And they have a wide array of uh, subsidiary wide receivers out of the slot that they take that they create mismatches for, and all of them can run. And then finally, after all those quarterbacks, all those excellent offenses and wide receivers, we reach Lamar Jackson, who's throwing to Hollywood Brown, Sammy Watkins, and Devin Duvernay, and whoever the hell they can find at running back, right? They, they've signed Le'Veon Bell. They've signed uh, Latavius Murray. Who Latavius Murray, the Saints were like, mm, we just not going to pay you, bro. Thanks, but no thanks. Um, they've signed... Devonta Freeman, they 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 bring in the special teams guy Tyson Williams, who had one game where he looked like something, and then he just kept fumbling. Um, so that is the talent that you've seen Hollywood Brown have. It's feast or famine, right? With him, he he has the innate ability to get open. We've seen him drop some really easy passes. He had an excellent game, though, on Monday. Sammy Watkins, an afterthought in Kansas City, right? And I, I honestly feel like I know a lot of people during the Super Bowl between the Chiefs 
and the 49ers that that was play you know where um i'm trying not to get emotional about it <laughs> but we know there's that play where tyreek hill gets a 20 third oh, it was a stupid play it was like third and 15 and we gave it up a lot of people point to that play as a turning point in the game honestly Sammy Watkins over Richard Sherman for, uh, I want to say it was 20, 30 yards. I feel like that was the turning play because that was the first time Kansas City's defense, offense, sorry, was able to actually break the shell that we had. We had a really good shell over the top and Sammy Watkins got by it. But still, that was two, three years ago, right? The Chiefs said, Sammy Watkins, we'll, 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 we'll start Hardeman. We'll start some dude named after Chips, Byron Pringle, you know. So they they didn't covet him, and there's probably a reason why that is, you know. And now he's in – I think he has done a lot to help Hollywood Brown, but I cannot put Sammy Watkins above a Devontae Adams or compare Sammy Watkins to a Keenan Allen or DeAndre Hopkins, at least at this point in, in his career. Um, and Devin Duranay is a rookie. So – Lamar Jackson is seventh in MVP voting, yet he's playing and he's doing these things with a ta with talent well below any of these other MVP quarterbacks when it comes to offense. The offensive line he's playing with well below any of these other NFL teams. And then the last thing that I'll say about Lamar Jackson is something I like to call the Kaepernick protocol. And I just made that up. It's not a real thing. But that's why it's my podcast. I get to make stuff up. But I call it the Kaepernick protocol. And it happens, I mean, he's not the first rushing quarterback to end up in that scenario. But every time there's a mobile NFL quarterback, they always go through the same cycle, right? Just like Cap did, just like Lamar Jackson did, just like Kyler Murray did. Uh, there's a shaky intro. You know, they win a lot with athleticism on their own, just kind of freelancing, playing street ball, which works sometimes in the NFL, which does not always work year over year, season over season. So that's the intro. You know, again, they start off shaky. You're like, well, he can run. You know, he, he, he can complete a couple of dump offs. Um, but all in all, it's a shaky introduction. And then two, what happens after that? He captivates the league, right? Kaepernick captivated the league. It started with that game in Chicago, ended with that game in Green Bay, becomes unstoppable. Same thing with Lamar Jackson, right? Started as a rookie, like we talked about earlier in the episode, ends up uh, two seasons ago winning the MVP because he captivated the league. He became unstoppable. Then the following year, usually after that, they take a step back. We saw the same thing with Kyler Murray, right? Came in, won, won rookie of the year, a little shaky, um, captivated the league. Took a step back last season, you could say. Some people might say that's due to injury, due to the team around him, whatever the case might be. Um, but then this season, again, um, he's playing well. But Lamar Jackson, uh, last year, you could say he took a step back. Uh, NFL teams start to force these quarterbacks to play to their weaknesses. And then here's usually where the, 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 the line gets drawn, right? Um, like I said, Kyler Murray continued to progress and is now on top of the game. Now on top of his game, I should say. So Kyler Murray made it out of the Kaepernick protocol, right? He he had a shaky intro. He captivated the league. He took a step backwards. He learned to play from the pocket more. And now 
He's a great NFL quarterback. Cap may have been able to overcome that hump, but he never got the shot for various insidious reasons. Um, but in, initially, however, you know, that's how he was casted, right? That he was a one-read quarterback and that um, teams have caught up to what he does well. I personally have watched film that has showed the opposite, but it's the same thing that Lamar Jackson has gone through. In his rookie year, he was shaky. We talked about 58 completion percentage. Uh, second year, captivated the league. Won M then he won MVP. Then came last season, right? One of his worst seasons statistically. And then there was a looming question, right? Bill Polian floating over his head. I told you you should have played wide receiver. <laughs> um, but can Lamar pass from the pocket? Can he navigate the pocket, right? Like Tom Brady. Um, like Aaron Rodgers, like Dak Prescott. I don't think Dak Prescott gets enough credit for his pocket presence. Um, and then on Monday night's game, I saw it from the pocket. I know you saw it too. Sure, he had those incredible runs. 14 carries, 62 yards, nothing major. But from the pocket, for the most part, 37 completions. 442 yards, four touchdowns. He's averaging 10 yard a pass in that game on Monday. So basically a first down, a pass. With who at running back? Who at wide receiver? Now, Andrews, I will agree, is a great tight end across the middle, but you could blanket a tight end. You know, you could you could box and bracket in a tight end. You could probably do that with a wide receiver. But ain't nobody out here doubling Sammy Watkins. Um, and even Andrews, like I said, I gave him a lot of credit, but he dropped one last night. And the Ravens are 4-1. and one. And you know why? Lamar Jackson. He's the MVP. And if you get in early now, while the odds are low... There's a big payday waiting for you. Lamar Jackson is the MVP of the league. It's not even close. Let's get into the show. We had our recap earlier in this episode. We talked about Lamar Jackson. I promised you guys last week we would talk about some NFL trades that I uh, personally see on the horizon that I've seen floating around the interwebs. Excuse me. We know trade deadline is coming up here, November 2nd. I promised you guys last week we'd be talking about some NFL trades. So here are some trade candidates that I've seen floating around the web that I, um, I'd like to discuss. And you let me know what your thoughts are on these NFL trade candidates. I know there's a lot of players, especially if you're on a team that's having a hard time this season. That you're like, yo, trade all of these people. Is that possible? Can you trade all of them? No. Cannot trade all of your players. But, again, every year around this time, NFL teams are either having a fire sale, which means they, they are trying to just hey, take this guy, take that guy, whatever. Give us picks, give us picks, because they know they're prepping for the draft. And on the opposite side, there's teams who are getting ready for the playoffs, and they're like, hey, we, need, we just need that one piece. That one piece, right? I kind of feel like Emmanuel Sanders was that one piece that the 49ers brought in, take them to the next level. So who do I have on my list so far? We'll start with a pair of wide receivers. 
sort of a wide receiver here. My first player is Cordero Patterson. He is a wide receiver slash running back slash kick returner slash he could probably play tight end, probably play fullback if you wanted him to. Um, but Atlanta needs to rebuild, right? They just picked up Kyle Pitts, great cornerstone piece to build around. Not really sure what's going to happen with Matt Ryan. That might be a difficult trade to swallow, right? Because again, if you trade Matt Ryan, well, who's going to start the rest of the season? Josh Rosen is the backup in Atlanta. He couldn't, he couldn't beat out Nate Sudfield. Just an FYI. Um, that's why we released him. Um, but Patterson is having a breakout year that's just hot enough to entice teams to picking, picking him up. Mostly because of his versatility, right? He's going to be somebody who's shown in Atlanta that he can be a part of the run game. He did the same thing in Chicago. The return game, everybody remembers where that, that perfect moment in NFL sports where the overhead camera followed Cordero Patterson. Nine, I think it was like 99, 100. It was, it was up there. Um, all the way down the field. Every cut, every... It was the most unique play at least at that point, I'd ever seen from a, a cinematography standpoint. But everybody remembers that run. And again, he's he came into the league as a wide receiver, right? But he's, he's so much of an offensive weapon. And I feel like, again, the Falcons are not in contention. They are going to need to load up on some picks to replenish that defense, to get some help for either Matt Ryan, who they bring back for another year, as they try again to find a replacement, which it seems like They've been trying to replace Matt Ryan every year, and then every year he just comes back and, and plays effectively. Um, but I think Cordero Patterson is somebody who the Falcons should look into while he's hot. Because again, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, when the season started, they picked him up unsigned, right? It wasn't like they had to trade for him or they had to go give up something to get him. He was 100% available. And now they have the opportunity with the breakout season that he's having this year to get something in return for him. And they can, they won't, they won't necessarily lose that much by giving him up. Even though right now it seems like, wow, like he is the offense long-term wise. I think they have an opportunity to turn him into some picks, possibly even a pick that they could use to grab, to grab a, a rookie quarterback to replace Matt Ryan. Another wide receiver that I'd like to talk about who's on the trade radar um, is Devontae Parker of the Miami Dolphins. Now, Miami netted tons of picks in their last. They got some from us, so we can get Trey Lance. I want to say they got some from Philadelphia, maybe. Um, but they netted tons of picks in their last few off seasons. Um, but not, of the, not all of them has really turned out that well. Um, but Parker is a big body. He's shown flashes of playmaking ability. But again, it's been few and far between. Needy teams could probably see, well, you know, he's playing with Tua, Fitzpatrick, um, you know, whoever else, uh, uh, Jacoby Brissett, whoever else the Dolphins decided to roll out at quarterback. So they could see, you know, they could see that as a reason why, okay, well, Devontae Parker didn't have the opportunity to be successful given the quarterback play that he was surrounded by. Um... And they could become enamored with his measurables, right? And they're hoping that, hey, a fresh start, maybe with a big arm QB, if they're one of those teams, um, you know, I could see him ending up in a place like Pittsburgh, 
where they do a great job of having a multitude of wide receivers or even with the Raiders. And the reason why I like both of those teams because they have established wide receiver cores and he can just fit in as that jump ball, deep ball guy, right? Like he could just be that red zone dude that comes in. I know Pittsburgh maybe has Chase Claypool kind of in that role. The Raiders, um, you could say Zay Jones. I would say maybe Renfro is more of their possession receiver, but, you know, and then Ruggs is their speed guy. But I think Devontae Parker would fit in nice um, on the Raiders as well. But who knows what's going to happen with the Raiders this season after all the, um, whew, all the craziness that has happened like that. It's like we started watching Monday Night Football, and then by the end of the game, everything was crap in Raiders land. Uh, the next player I have on my list is Eric Ebron, right? Tight end. Right now, he is um, playing in Pittsburgh. Obviously, like I said, Pittsburgh is in, the, in somewhat of a rebuild. You know, Big Ben is... Kind of at the end of his rope. They just got a new weapon in Najee Harris. Obviously, they have a great wide receiver core. Um, Ebron is doing okay in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, for me, it's almost like Ebron was like ahead of his time, right? He was drafted way back. If you didn't know how long Ebron has been in the league, he was drafted in 2014, right, to the Detroit Lions. He, turned, he joined a team with Stafford and Megatron. And... To my recollection, you know, the, the move tight end, that 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 um that speed kind of receiver prototype tight end um, that we see so much now wasn't quite that established, right, back in 2014. You know, I think teams back then, if we look at the league overall, they were looking for the next great Rob Gronkowski, right? That big hulking offensive line who can also pad the run game make some seam catches down the middle, attract some attention to linebackers. Ebron wasn't really that big when it came to run blocking and being a part of the, the game all four downs. Um, he was fast. He could run routes like a wide receiver. So in 2014, he was kind of a tweener, right? Now in 2021, he'd be perfect, but he's kind of already passed his prime. But I think there are lots of teams who would value his skill set now more than ever, especially if they're a team who, you know, like Carolina, who just brought in a rookie tight end like Tommy Tremble to kind of have someone show them the ropes. Um, but I think there's a couple teams out there, maybe even him ending up because the the the, uh, the Ravens need all the help they can get right now. I could see him ending up in Baltimore, but I can't see the an, an interdivision trade like that. But I'm saying a team that, needs to load up on offense, um, could see Ebron as a critical piece when it comes to exploiting the middle of the field, exploiting the seams, um, screen passes, tight end screens are more popular now than ever. And the biggest fish out there right now on the trade market, well, maybe one of the two, I'm not really sure if the 49ers are, you know, dangling Jimmy out there just yet since they jacked up Lance's knee and we don't really know who the quarterback is going to be right now but that's not what this episode is about um, but I don't think it's Jimmy I think the biggest fish and it's still the biggest still the most confusing not really sure what's happening 
and this is like a previous episode, right? Houston Texans, what's the plan, bro? But again, I'm talking about Deshaun Watson, right? The allegations, the talent, the murkiness of his scenario, the obvious ability that he has to carry a sorry, misowned, just hunk of NFL football franchise, right? Like, I'm trying to think, when have the Texans ever had anything? Maybe when Shanahan was there and he left. Andre Johnson. Only Texas Texans player who will probably make the Hall of Fame ever. I'm pretty confident in saying that right now. As long as, yeah, as long as McNair and Casario and Esterby and all the good old boys are running this franchise, in the state of Texas, where, where you got to compete with the Dallas Cowboys, who are America's team, bro, you 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 Walmart as hell right now in Houston. But uh, Deshaun Watson, um, you know, we've heard the drama, we've we've heard the suits. Um, I'm I don't want to say I'm intrigued with the case because honestly, um, I don't know enough about the case to really say like, oh, dang, that's messed up. Um, but there's so many, there's just so many layers to the story. You know, did the Texans know, did they roll on Watson? Did Watson hide all of this stuff from the Texans? Is all of this a farce? Is this all a money grab from the, uh, prosecuting lawyer and the females? We don't know. I don't know. I, I did hear, um, on accident, I didn't go looking for it. Um, but I did hear clips from a YouTube video where one of the um, ma masseuse, massage person, I'm not sure what the participle term is for a, mas a, a massager. I don't think it's massager. <laughs> but the, um, the person who was asked or hired or... or, or tasked with massaging him gave some exceptionally um graphic details about um her experience with deshaun watson um but it's almost hard for me right now at this point to remember watson playing football you know it's like i can i can I can remember him at Clemson vividly, right? Going um, neck head to head with Alabama. And then the rest is sort of just like punctured along, got kicked in the eye, they lost to the cheat. Like everything else is just blurry. And, and here's what, um, again, I'm pointing to um, people say what they mean, but sometimes they don't say it but they say what they mean indirectly. So the Texans have had the chance, because obviously they've been fielding this question all off season since, since forever, right? They've had several times publicly say, no, he's not on the market. We're gonna keep him. We're gonna figure this out. But Deshaun Watson is our quarterback and we're gonna do everything we need to do to go through the process to either vindicate him or find out what's happening with his future as soon as we can. But what have we heard? 
what have we heard from Casario? Well, we're taking it day by day. We're just going to kind of see how it goes. You know, we're, we're not really sure what we're going to do. We might trade him. You know, you've, you 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 might have read in the in the in the media. Uh, initially, the asking price was like here, right? Now the asking price is kind of like, hey, you know, first come, first serve. Um, matter of fact, and this is this quote for me <clears throat> is probably very powerful. It doesn't seem like a lot, but it's very powerful. Um, Cal McNair, who I mentioned earlier, is a bag of bag it's a bag of bag um i'll just leave it at that but cal mcnair was asked on october 6th so this is recently this is not like in the beginning of the year where they're trying to still figure things out this is now after they have they basically made him inactive i want to say they've said he's not going to play all year um but he was asked on the air it was a radio show and he was asked does he think he is the owner Right. He is the CEO, the president, the the whatever you want to call it of the he's the Jerry Jones of the Texans. Does he think the team will trade him? Um, right. Because usually what he's been saying is, well, that's uh, that's up to Casario. Right. That's up to Nick. He is the general manager and it's his job to build the roster. I mean, I know it's not David Cully's job. Nothing against David Cully. But I know it's not his job. So continually, McNair has put the ball or the onus on Casario. But for whatever reason, on this interview, he literally said, now again, owner of the Texans, hired Casario, hired Esterby, re-signed Deshaun Watson, gave him the contract. It was like four or five years, 140 million, whatever it was. He was asked, does he think the team will trade him? And he literally said, I have no idea. The audacity. Oh, my Lord. He has no idea what they're going to do. When he easily could have said, look, he's going through a lot right now. Deshaun Watson is currently signed to the Texans. We have no desires to um, trade him to anyone. We'll be more than willing to listen to offers, but we have no desire to trade Deshaun Watson until we figure out what the status of his availability will be. I don't know why I said it. His availability will be. That's all they could have said. But he said... I have no idea. And I'll end the show with that. Thank you guys for coming back. Again, Big Block Sports. This is episode A. We talked about some trades that I think um, are interesting to my eye. We talked about Lamar Jackson, MVP of the league. Not even close. Go ahead and click over episode B. Let's get into the next week's NFL picks. Big Block Sports. We out.